You're listening to Around the King's Table, a podcast of the Mount Church in Clemson, South Carolina, with Pastor George Marshall and Pastor Brian Mann. Pull up a chair and listen in as they seek to serve up biblical dialogue for building disciples of Jesus. We are back. Finally. Episode 47 of Around the King's Table. We've hit, uh, had a little bit of a summer break, and uh, man, it's a joy to be gathering around the podcasting table oh, there with you go. Pastor George, again, his <laughs> glut of wisdom and oh, Bible knowledge ready to overflow <sighs> for all seven of our listeners. I think it's better to start low and then excel <laughs> than like... <laughs> What I want to hear before we dive into 1 Timothy 4, because that's what we're going to do, is we're going to continue our look at the book and go to um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, and maybe verse 6. We'll see. Um, I want to hear, so that everybody out there can also hear about all the books that Pastor George has read this summer. Oh my gosh. That would, um, that would be wonderful. Okay, well give me just a second. I wasn't planning on this question. I know. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. And the problem is going to be. Is this you can't. Be you can't weird? remember. No, it's not that. Uh, so here's. I know you read the pastor's family. I did read the pastor's family. I read the path to being a pastor. The path to being a pastor. Yeah, I read the so Warden of the Wolf King. The what, it's the, the what? last book in the um, Andrew Peterson series. Okay. Um, gosh, the series is going to escape me. Yeah, um, never read it. Don't but know it. It's good. Yeah. Um, I read Amy Carmichael, Beauty for Ashes. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. I had I had used it to prepare for a class. Yeah. But then I went ahead and finished it finally. I wanted to I'm trying to push myself to read some more missionary or other biographies. It's not a not my normal, uh, but I found it hugely helpful. Mm-hmm. So, um, let's see. Easy Arabic script. And this is why. <laughs> I read Nahum, a discourse analysis of the Hebrew Bible. There you go. I also read like three because you f- preached Nahum. I did. And I read yeah. three or four other Nahum commentaries and Zephaniah commentaries. Yeah. Where I don't have them on my record as finished because I haven't read the Habakkuk part. So they were all like Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. We did Nahum and Zephaniah. And so when we go back to Habakkuk, I'll be able to mark all those books as finished. Yeah. Um, Reset? When did we read? That was way back in May. So I think that's about as far as I got. Oh, I did just finish Defending Substitution. It's still summer. That's right. So, because you're yeah, about Simon to teach Gapricole, yeah. in our discipleship quarterly. That's right. On August the 27th, 27th. Sunday evening on the Atonement. Be there. Also called Atonement. Atonement. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So there you go. There are the books behind the man, the myth and the legend, the Alaskan wow. assassin, Pastor George Marshall. Oh, I did start going, going through the uh, um, historical theology uh, by... Greg Allison? Allison, yeah, I start. I, I I've read like the back half of it because mm-hmm. of class, and so I'm starting at the beginning and going, catching back up through the doctrines. So, so if you would like to read any kind of like discourse analysis on the uh, biblical book of Nahum, you know where to turn. You do know where to turn, and it's actually <clears throat> yeah. really really good. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do a discourse analysis on of First, First Timothy, Timothy chapter, chapter four, four verses one through five, or maybe six. Maybe six. Okay. Yeah. How about I read it for us? Yeah, you do it. All right. So for those of you who are riding along in your car to work and you 
probably shouldn't be reading your Bible at the same time. Not exactly. I'll read this for you. <laughs> now the Spirit, capital S, at least in the English Bible here, the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Mm. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. And then he does tell Timothy there in verse 6, if yep. you put these things before the brothers and sisters of the church, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. followed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things as we as we come to these verses, uh, you know, First Timothy, again, is one of what's called the, the pastorals. Uh, it is Paul writing to Timothy, just to catch people up from whenever it was we did the last one. We dropped him off in chapter 3. Uh, apostolic delegate, pastor, elder, Timothy, local church, Ephesus, and uh, heavy emphasis on... On defending the gospel defending of the gospel, grace, proper, yeah. proper order that promotes the mm-hmm. gospel's advance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, and he gets a little bit, especially into the end of chapter two, into chapter three. He does begin in, uh, begin to get into uh, the order, structure, polity, government, uh, offices yeah. of a local church, mm-hmm. and he comes to verse fourteen of chapter three. And he begins to talk about the church as this pillar and buttress of truth. And that critical to us being that is that we become a people who are godly. Right. And so he begins to unfold what looks like an early hymn or something of that nature mm-hmm. uh, about the mystery of godliness uh, is what he what he calls it there. That he, uh, God, Christ, was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit. Spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. And then the very next verse uh-huh. is now the spirit. And so so one of the things I think we talked about in chapter three was that some great part of our godliness is the fact that not only did Jesus come and model godliness for us in his life, but then he purchased godliness by his death on the cross, and right. then he rose again, and he ascended to heaven. And in that ascension, the spirit, the spirit was poured out, and he mm-hmm. indwells believers in the body of Christ. And it's in that way that God himself comes to dwell in us, and we begin to flesh out godliness in our own lives. Yep. And, um, and so you get to chapter 4 here, and Paul now moves towards something that the Spirit um, we'll ask maybe the question. I have all kinds of questions for you okay. as we as we come into these verses. But uh, he says, now the Spirit, mm-hmm. so he's picking up where he left off. Now the Spirit yep. expressly says that in later times, mm-hmm. some will depart from the faith. And we'll just stop there. Yeah. Uh, just So just a couple of questions I have um, that maybe you can provide some, some light on. Uh, 
when he says now the spirit expressly says, mm-hmm. um, what are we talking about there? Are we talking, uh, Paul, is Paul looking at uh, Old Testament scripture at this time? And he's saying, I think so. The spirit, we can look at the Old Testament and, and see that it's looking ahead and saying this is what's going to happen. Or is he referring to something else when he talks about the spirit expressly saying? I mean, it's hard to pick a particular passage per se that he would have been referring to. It's not like this is just like he's picking a prophecy and Mm -hmm. saying it's fulfilled, but it does sound very much like he has that kind of mindset. Like this is something very, very clear um, from scripture that this is the character of it. I mean, we can think of even Jesus' own words, you know, as the church sort of develops, we'll see wheat and tares growing up side by side, ready for the day of judgment. So I I think he has that mindset, whether it's specifically Old Testament or even into Jesus' words, um, at least in mind. Yeah. By the way, if you heard that thunderclap right there, that was not my belly uh, growling. It was not. Uh, we were probably about to be swept away in a tornado. So if these are the last words you ever hear from me and George, at least we hope to be glorifying to Jesus. I love you, Kim. Yes. Sorry. Love you, Jenny. And kids. Um, and church. And church. <laughs> and kids. Um, so so I think that's right. Uh, you're probably just looking at the, the, the Old Testament re- revelation of, of God in the Old Testament yeah. and just projecting forward, the Spirit expressly says... Uh, this is what's going to happen in later times. Later time, I mean, he, he, I, I think he's basically trying to get them to understand that we are in the later times. Once you have the spirit descended, you're you're living in those last times. Maybe not such as the you know Revelation apocalyptic sense, mm-hmm. as this is the last age. This is the age where Jesus is sending his people out into the world and. Yeah, these are the later times. We should expect those things now. We're not waiting for false mm-hmm. teachers to come in the future. They're already here and potentially engaged. Right. And it almost seems to, like, just, the, again, talking about overall um, canon of Scripture, trajectory of, of the Bible, things, you know, just threads uh, that you see running, running from Genesis to Revelation. Every time God creates something, institutes something, he has a people that are distinctly his people Mm -hmm. the adversary satan right yeah he counters he has a contrary uh, institution or a contrary people or at least he tries to confuzzle he tries to confuse sure you i mean we've been spending so much time in jeremiah and i'm a little bit farther in jeremiah than we've done in prayer but i mean you just see jeremiah sitting there going the the prophets basically y'all are god speaking to jeremiah basically y'all are bunch of liars and so he's like putting the whole prophet's house you know every prophet in Mm -hmm. israel probably barring jeremiah and a few others but he's setting them aside saying y'all are are basically lying in my name and how could you even think to do that it's not a new thing yeah and so it seems here in verse one that again he he has a a, a distinct people in the world people who have believed and what he's saying here in, in verse 1 is that the, the Spirit expressly says that in the later times, some people are going to depart from the faith. Uh-huh. I think one thing that we have to deal with there is, okay, can people depart from the faith? Uh-huh. I mean, he just says that some people are going to depart from the faith, but what is that? They can certainly depart entail? from a body of teaching that they have themselves yeah. at least claimed before men. Yeah. Um, they've been part of the church, and they've stated it at least at some point agreement with the things that paul has been teaching the church is teaching right 
um, and they're departing from that. They're saying, I, I don't believe that anymore. Um, they're following what appears to be other gospels, other ways that they think are going to, to lead to Christ, or are maybe yeah. additions to it that in Paul's mind are almost disruptive of the gospel itself. Yeah. So they think they're just adding on things that are cool and helpful and make them more holy maybe, but they're actually mm. diverting them away from the gospel altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's helpful. Um, it's kind of a little bit like what we talk about and I think it's in our affirmation of faith. We use the, the phrase inauthentic disciples. Mm-hmm. Right? It's people who... They have a, maybe even the look of a Christian, but they have the look of a Christian yeah. because they gather with Christians. They, they, you know, they're singing the same songs. They're, they're sitting under the same preaching. They're receiving, in some sense, the yeah. same ministry. They have, uh, they have just a, a over yeah. abundance of common <laughs> grace yes. going on in their yeah. life. Yeah, that's right. But it's, but it's not in their hearts. Right. Yeah. Okay. So because, because, so. A little bit of comfort here, I think, is that it would seem to be that, again, those who endure to the end, mm-hmm. Jesus says, right, those are the ones who are going to be saved right? Right. because they've given evidence that they are saved. saved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and that it seems one, one particular ministry of the Holy Spirit is to guard our hearts mm-hmm. so that we do not depart from the faith. Yeah. It's not that we don't get to places where we may neglect it. Uh, we may not measure up exactly with what we're, mm-hmm. what we're supposed to be biblically. Right. But in the end, uh, we are going to uh, not just mentally assent to some body of doctrine, but we are going to love Jesus. Yeah. And we're going to grow stick with love, his people. Grow in worship. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to stick it out with the truth. However, one of the key indicators that someone may be an inauthentic disciple is that they, as the text says, they depart from yeah. the faith. And then he, he says, by devoting themselves. So it's interesting, right? We might think departing from the faith. It's not just abandoning something. Yeah, right. It, it, we might think, they're, well, they're, they're not devoting themselves to anything. It's, it's a lack of devotion. That's the departure from the faith. That's not what he says. He says they depart from the faith by devoting themselves to something else. Right. So it says, devoting themselves to, and I'll just get your thoughts here, to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Mm. Harsh words. Yeah. To be, I mean, mm-hmm. anybody who has a, a, a ear to Old Testament coming through, this is, they are following Israel's pattern instead of following Christ's pattern. Mm. So if Christ has demonstrated a way and pointed them in that direction and called them to that path, yeah. they're sitting over here saying... Israel kind of was okay, and they did okay by God. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a complete just missing the point. Yeah. So yeah, well, I think we might hear teachings of demons and be like, "Ooh, yeah, is it like, spooky like, or something what? like that?" That's but. that's really harsh and like scary and stuff yeah. like that. But it's like, well, every time you read Genesis chapter three verses one through what is it seven or eight? Yeah, you are literally sitting under the sermon of a demon. Uh, I mean, like Satan serpent wiggles in and he begins to teach, he begins yeah. to teach yeah. Eve and, and, you know, induce her uh, into into sin and ultimately to their to their ruin and our ruin as well. Yeah. Uh, or maybe you go to um, the wilderness with Jesus mm-hmm. and there again, you see Satan, he comes to Jesus and he begins to try to teach, tell Jesus, hey, what you think about this? Maybe you can do this, you know, and oh, doesn't the Bible say this? Yeah. And um, 
And in that sense, you are there. There is a demon who is teaching, mm. um, and of course, Christ standing directly opposed. Yeah. So, but I mean, even that. You, I mean, going again, just to even Jeremiah, since we've been sitting mm-hmm. there so long. But I mean, ultimately, Jeremiah looks at, and as God speaks through him, they're basically giving their worship in name to God, but they're basically offering it to. Baal. I mean, it's essentially yeah. a false deity yeah. um, who they think is going to actually give them the things that they want. Mm-hmm. And they think as long as we put a right name on it, it'll be okay. Master. It, yeah. Lord. Yeah. Master Lord. Yeah. Baal. Yeah. yeah. What's interesting here in verse two, though, is that again, so what I mentioned was the serpent mm-hmm. uh, or the, the personal manifestation of Satan to Jesus. Yep. Mm-hmm. Here... They're going to depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through uh-huh. the insincerity of liars whose consciences, whose consciences are seared. Uh-huh. And we'll talk in a second about some of the things that they forbid. But um, yeah. But what would you draw out of that, for instance, uh-huh. that, that through the, the instrumentality of human beings? Yeah. In the teaching of demons. I mean, there's, there's there's a couple. I mean, there's one just the regular body being very much aware of what the gospel is, so that they can identify people who are like this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, if yeah, just being in the lives of members of the body, such mm-hmm. that you can see as this kind of spirit and heart really fleshes itself out, is important. Yeah. Um, if we live detached lives as we often do, it can be very hard to see this until before it's too too late mm-hmm. to address. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot about this world that is very much in the direction of searing those consciences, yeah. of, of just n- making them numb um, to God's law, to God's word in to general, godliness. to godliness, which is where he's just yeah come from godliness. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, yeah. trying to please people, trying to please a mm. world system that is opposed to Christ and is guaranteed mm. not to be something we can do. Yeah. Anti-Christ. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's interesting, too, because, again, you, you know, so when we think about people departing from the faith, it doesn't have to be some stunning revelation of a demon, the chief of demons or something right. like that. It doesn't even necessarily have to be, um, you know, like there are occasions where Jesus is teaching in the synagogue or maybe even the Apostle Paul and they're being followed around by human beings mm-hmm. uh, who are demonically possessed or something like right. that. But there is a little G God of this world who blinds the minds of unbelievers. Mm-hmm. And in some sense, I think it's in Second Timothy, whenever we get to Second Timothy, <laughs> where he talks about taking, it seems, even believers captive mm-hmm. to do his will for a time. Right. And, um, you know, just pastorally, I think, uh, hopefully you're acquainted enough with the ins and outs of the devices or schemes of Satan that you can see them through people. They're not maybe intending on being a direct, you know, uh, conduit or channel for satanic teaching and stuff like that. But you can also uh, begin to see the influences of just uh, things that are opposed to the gospel, right? Mm. We're called to only... Let our our lives be worthy of the gospel of Christ, and so even even in things where you're just beginning to move away from from the truth of the gospel, mm. um, your your life is moving away from the truth of the gospel, uh, and it's having maybe a, 
a, a contagion or a, a spreading effect in the lives of others in the body and and you're just kind of maybe divisive and these kinds of things. I mean, that's a lot of what Paul deals with mm-hmm. in these pastorals. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, okay. So we have a human instrumentality here. Uh, we have presumably either people in the church or maybe preachers or teachers or leaders. Teachers at the very least. Uh, who and, and I wouldn't even say that they were not concerned with godliness. Well, that's or at what least that's the whole... See, yeah. so they're concerned with godliness by their own definition. And so what they're going to present is the godliness these normal people are settling yeah. for is not really the godliness that we can aspire to and actually reach. There's yeah. this higher level of godliness that looks like X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And so even the language we have to be careful of is we're hearing people, you know, when, when people are saying, you know, seek godliness, well, right. tell me what you mean and how that stems from the gospel Yes. And not just, this is the level I must attain to be in your company. Mm-hmm. Um, so there could be some very big differences, even as, even as the language sounds right, right, for us to be very, very careful about. So right. we think like, I, I don't know, even like uh, Mormons mm-hmm. um, generally are, you know, kind of, I don't know, there's a cultural kind of thing that they kind of have a right living, yeah. or maybe above the board. Um, but when you start looking under, the gospel is missing there. And so you start going, okay, where's the difference between what's gospel and what is an actual godliness that kind of comes from Christ, comes right. from the Spirit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Satan, again, has his, his angels of that are dressed in light, mm-hmm. you know, but they're still, they're still demonic. Yeah. Still devilish. Um, and what's interesting here is I think, too, we, we often think of... Um, you know, demonic teaching or, or whatever we might think more readily of licentiousness, mm-hmm. like licentious living. People who are standing up saying, oh, grace is so great. You're forgiven of all your sins. You right. can live however you want to live. They don't really say that, but, but, it, but you know, like you can live however you want to live. It's sure. okay. Grace covers it, you know, or something like that. But here, it doesn't seem like it's licentiousness. It seems mm-hmm. like it's actually asceticism. Yeah. It so is it's a form of I, you can be more godly. On, to your point, yeah. To your point, it is god godliness, ascetic, but it's ascetic. But maybe we need to, to ask the question and, and discuss a little bit about okay, so why is this demonic teaching? So he says in verse three that these uh, these liars whose consciences are seared, who are instruments of um, you know deceitful spirits and demonic mm-hmm. teaching. You're thinking, man, this is going to be really bad. <laughs> and this is here. Here's it. Here it is. Verse three: Who forbid marriage mm-hmm. and require abstinence from foods mm-hmm. that God created to be received by with thanksgiving. Yeah. So we kind of touched on this in in chapter three, I think. I mean, just so basically, this idea of God has an order, mm-hmm. and that order hasn't actually changed there there are some important things we still glean from it and yeah. these have basically said that that order has been upended mm-hmm. and I, I, I think a lot of people go on this and just kind of gnosticism i think we're not quite there yet i think that's where we're kind of pulling something from a, a maybe a couple decades later mm-hmm. and pulling it in yeah um, but at the very least these people are are basically saying the things, the activities that we do in the body, maybe all sexual sexual activity, 
ton of foods, you know, whatever. If we don't do those things, we can attain a higher level of holiness, right. of godliness. Yeah. Um, and so it sort of stratifies the Christian. There's the, the which the Paul almost seems to say in First Corinthians seven mm. at some points when it comes to marriage. Yeah. Yeah. No, but he doesn't go the next step to say. So no, none of you should get married. Right. So it's, <laughs> there's value in not, not being married and not having yeah. those, you know, <clears throat> mental and emotional attachments that cause you not to be able to fully be devoted to Christ. Yeah. But he never says that those devotions or those attachments are wrong. He's not, this is not Jedi Council. This is not, uh, yeah. So. Yeah, it's really interesting. It reminds me of something else that he has written. I believe it's in Colossians. Um, Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 16, he says, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you Mm -hmm. in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels going on in detail about visions Uh puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head, capital H, Christ, Uh from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, Yeah. referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings, and then this is verse 23, these have... Indeed, an appearance of wisdom uh-huh. in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value uh-huh. in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Yeah. So he's on the subject of the mystery of godliness. Uh-huh. And then he comes into chapter four here. And he seems to be dealing with people who are seeking a kind of godliness or a higher degree of godliness or whatever it is. Yeah. But cut off from the head. Exactly. Cut off from Christ. Mm -hmm. Cut off from the gospel. Cut off from the gospel. As you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks so good. It looks like, well, that makes all the sense in the world. If I just don't touch it. (laughs) It's funny. I mean, the number of people that take those, those... Do not handle, do not touch, do not whatever as a, a positive actual almost command when Paul is actually sort of making a mockery of, a, of somebody else's statement yeah. to the effect that that's not, that's not how godliness works yeah. necessarily. It's almost like Jesus in Mark 7 where he's saying what goes into a person mm-hmm. does not make them unclean, yeah, but what, what comes, comes out. out of them. Yeah. And he's saying, so it's sometimes, now sometimes, right? There's a, this is a wisdom issue. Oh, for sure. Sometimes, I mean, like Paul's going to say in Romans 13, make no provision for the flesh mm. to gratify its sinful desires. Right. Okay. 
Yeah. Well, He's there you go. Say, Whatever you have freedom to do, you should be willing to give up that freedom for a brother. Right. Right. When but necessary. It, yeah. But it's almost like while you're not making any provision of the for the for your flesh, remember to work on your heart. Hmm. Your heart is the issue. Yeah. You you need to know the gospel better and you need to know grace more powerfully. Yeah. The only thing that's really going to curb your lust for whatever sexual immorality or intimacy or or whatever right. it is is like you and I've talked about with another brother recently is the expulsive power of a new affection mm. for Jesus Christ. Yeah. It is your heart being satisfied in him. Well, where do you where do you see Christ? Where does he fill your heart to the degree that you love him more than you love sin? Yeah. The gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and that's yeah. why he's just gotten into the mystery of godliness is great indeed. This is what we confess. Gospel. Yeah. And so as you and I often talk about, it's the gospel is not just the ABCs of the Christian life. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all of it fleshed out. It's all also yeah. all of it fleshed out, again, in, in community. Mm-hmm. Such that if we're... If we if we're seeking a type of godliness that is going to set us above other people yeah. because of that godliness, mm-hmm. and I'm not just talking about as models, but as a, I do those things, I'm going to be better than you. Yeah. When we seek that church, that stratification, when we see that happening, we can know we're not pursuing the godliness that comes through the gospel, mm-hmm. that comes through Christ. Yeah. And he turns it now. He turns it now mm-hmm. to a little, little bit more on the the, the positive flip side. Of everything, right? And he says, okay, uh, you know, they're, they're forbidding marriage and requiring abstinence from foods that God created mm-hmm. to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Mm-hmm. Well, that's tying right into what we've been saying about the gospel and about Christ and mm-hmm. community. Yeah. If there is an element here of Gentiles trying to behave as Jews as a element of maybe... You know, we can be more Jewish and God will love us more and we'll be more godly in that way. Mm. We can kind of see maybe a, a tie in here with knowing the truth is knowing how the gospel has played out and what has happened, what's transpired in Acts, what's happened in the letter like Galatians and how it comes forward. Mm. And so we see that that trajectory there as well, probably. Mm. Yeah. So, so interesting here. Um, marriage. And foods. Uh-huh. Oh, but we don't, I mean, we don't have to stop there. We, I mean, you can talk about today, um, large Facebook You and I group. are drinking ginger ale We're drinking right ginger ale. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's ginger ale. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's that. I, I was going to say, you know, like, so forbidding marriage. I'm podcasting. How there you? are people who forbid marriage today. Right. There are people who are basically anti-children today. Like, we should, like, to completely eradicate humanity because we ourselves are a plague. Like, what, what kind of mental twisting and spiritually hard hearts do you have to have? Well, we've been in a church context before, Jenny and I in our, our life. Uh, where there was a, a group of people that came up in the church who basically said that everybody should eat a certain kind of food. Mm. Yeah. And that if and, and all of a sudden, like, if you weren't eating the same kind of food, then you were not as yeah, not godly. As well, not as godly. Not yeah. as commendable. Yeah. And it created a, a rift amongst brothers and sisters in the church. It sounds so strange, but 
you're right. Like it's it's very contemporary still. Yeah. Um, but he says here that we were to receive those with thanksgiving by those who believe. Mm. The, the marriage and, and, and food uh, received uh, with thanksgiving by those who believe and, and know the truth. What is it about believing the gospel? Well, I, I, for that, we probably have to go back into Paul's other letters and, and how he talks about doing things out of faith and actually trust. Yes. And, and where, yeah. So when we do things and we have a guilty conscience because of doing them, mm-hmm. it's, it's basically sin. I mean, when we know or we are not sure that we can do something, we think it, it might be actually sinful, but we go ahead and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. It can, it can, it, it's sin. I mean, it's it ultimately it's acting with a, a lack of faith. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, those who know that in faith, hey, I can eat that thing. I can eat that animal. I can drink that drink. Enjoy. Christ. As long as you're not. Clean. <laughs> yeah. Christ has cleansed me. Christ makes it clean. Christ yeah. makes it, it, it something you can rejoice over. Yeah. Then rejoice over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which brings us into the last couple of verses here. For everything created by God is good. Mm-hmm. So, of course, that needs some explanation because there's a lot of bad. There's a lot of bad in the world. Yeah. Uh, a lot of bad things that we could eat and drink and whatnot. Um, yeah. Right? Most, most things, I would say, in, in that context, very few things are, are, are bad. They are bad in amount. Now, That's right. don't go eating asphalt. It's bad for your teeth. Just bad. But... Most things, it's a it's a matter of degrees. It's you know you can eat this mushroom or this apple or this whatever up to a certain point, and you go beyond that, yeah, you're going to have a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, God's creation is ultimately good. We we see in Genesis, so it's mm-hmm. it's ultimately good. Now it's corrupted, but ultimately okay. what he created was good. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And he says, nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Not, so those are the kind of things that I think need a little bit of explanation. Pastoral I so. explanation. I think so. Uh, nothing is to be rejected. <laughs> nothing. If it is received with thanksgiving. So it does bring up, and it, it cannot help but get into issues of alcoholic consumption. Or sure. drugs, or drug, you know, what, I mean, so, like, nothing is to be rejected so long as they're happy about it. So long as we're like, this is a good gift of God, and to the glory of Christ, I'm going to fill in the blank. Sure. Right. So, is there what? What's the? You, you're, you're touching on it, but the, the the wisdom. There's a wisdom issue. There's a wisdom issue, and some people are not going to be comfortable with certain things. If you are in their company, you could cause them to stumble because they yeah. are not sure that they can. They don't have faith. To say I can do this thing, and love. maybe from their background, it's right. best that they don't do that thing. Right. And your your freedom and acting in freedom is is actually then just an opportunity. I'm for free sin. in Christ, therefore I will do this, irrespective of what right. how it will impact my brother or sister's conscience. Right is sin. Right, uh, because the rule is love for right. the other for the other person. So you right. put off your right in order for them to be built up. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's Romans there's, there's certainly that element. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. If you have any questions on that as to the practicalities, I would, uh, what's your email again? It is george.marshall <laughs> at themountchurch.com. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right. That's how we like to roll here. Okay. I mean, the, before jumping from it, I mean, yeah, there, there is an important missional element there. Yeah. I mean, which is ultimately the reason why we don't 
have Jewish dietary laws is that as the gospel is advancing, that is not a barrier anymore to right. fellowship. And so yeah. I would also take this, it received with Thanksgiving in a missional context where I'm receiving from someone who's being hospitable to me. Yeah. Um, I don't have to reject the person, reject table fellowship with them yeah. simply because they offer something that I'm not familiar with. That mm. I, at first blush, I'm like, oh, is that beef or is that pork? Mm-hmm. You know, where did that come from? Was it killed earlier today? Was it right. properly handled in this way? I don't have to do that. I can receive with thanksgiving, with faith. I can receive and accept somebody's hospitality. Mm-hmm. Right. Which goes into verse 5 because now, so just to see the connection, I'll, I'll go back through it here. Everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for... Yep. Whatever it is, is made holy is made holy by the word of God and prayer. By the word of God and prayer, um, which does seem to throw it into the context of Christian community, and uh-huh. uh, unless he's just talking about you sitting down for your own private devotion, you know, um, yeah, but, but probably does throw it into um, a context of. Of, of being amongst other Christians, amongst the the body of Christ, and uh, but but interesting that it is it's made holy by the word of God in prayer. Do you mm. have any thoughts on all, any of that? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's going to come down to our understanding of God's word is going to dictate whether or not this makes any sense at all. Right. I mean, ultimately, if we are we're operating under the law. We're still there, then we don't have freedom to do this. Mm-hmm. We don't have freedom to eat bacon. We don't have freedom to. There's a, there's a series of things, and these are not just added on commands of men. These are part of the law. Mm-hmm. Um, they were part of what was supposed to make Israel unique, identifiable as God's people. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's important that we see it as they're made holy by the Word of God, by his continued revelation as he sees his com- community, his community, his new people, um, under Christ, mm-hmm. under the gospel. Um, and then I-, I think you've already said it really, as we deal with prayer in community, as mm-hmm. we're, are, we're, we're circled around God together. Um, I do, I do think that makes all the difference. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the the inclusion there of the Word of God and prayer um, really is culture setting, mm-hmm. uh, and and it's that's, those are the things that really are going to be uh, used of God to sanctify the people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the the people are going to be cultivated into a holy people by the word of God and by prayer, right. which by the way, I mean, again, we, we focus on these things a lot. Mm-hmm. Other people might hear them and go, well, that's not enough. We got to add so many things to, to, you know, be holy and be sanctified and, and, and all this kind of thing. But Paul just says word and prayer, yeah. word of God, revelation. So a proper <laughs> yeah. source of authority and yeah. <laughs> prayer, proper communion yeah. with that yeah. authority. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Right. So as long as you have these these two elements here, a people a people are being sanctified, a culture is being created in which, you know, we will we will have spiritual wisdom mm-hmm. and love 
and gratitude to yep. God to receive the good things that he has given to, given us, to us in the world. Yeah. 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 Okay. Verse six, then to close it, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus being trained in the words of the faith and the good doctrine that you have followed. Mm-hmm. So if you can maybe um, try to tie it all together there, mm-hmm. how would you, how would you tie it together? How would you sum up those verses? I mean, taking them directly connected to them. I mean, we have this trajectory of he's supposed to be already put in place of defending the gospel. So one, it is challenging those who would puff themselves up mm-hmm. and pull others alongside in pursuing paths to godliness that God himself did not call for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he'll be a good defender, good worker for Christ, having... Mm-hmm opposed that kind of teaching mm-hmm. um, for one and two by focusing on what we've just did word of god and prayer he will really bring them into a community that has the right center on it so mm-hmm. they won't be worried about trying to find some path to worship and holiness that god hasn't authorized mm-hmm. when there's a clear path that's already available right. it's already been made clear through revelation through christ yeah yeah, the issue seems to be godliness, yeah, practical again. godliness. Yeah. Uh, in the pursuit of practical godliness, some people who belong to the church, in the sense of they are part of the visible community, yeah, they're, they're, visible they're in there. That maybe they're 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 tares amongst the wheat. They think, oh well, in order to be godly, we can't taste, we can't touch, we can't do this, and they re- they establish these laws that have no place in the gospel. Right. And what Paul's saying is, if you begin to be pulled in that direction, be beware that is the teaching of demons is pulling you away from the head. It's pulling you away from Christ and from the issue of the heart. Mm. Uh, in reality, godliness uh, revolves around the Word of God mm-hmm. and prayer yeah. and the community of saints. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. And, Being submitted to one another. Yeah. And not, not just like... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, being actually caring for our brothers and aware of what That's harms right. them, what causes them temptation, yeah. what what drives them towards sin. How can we help instead of being, well, that's their problem. Mm-hmm. I think that we hear that enough today. Like, hey, if he has that problem, he should deal with it. She has that problem, she should deal with it. It's, it's not my yeah. business, not my thing to have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's so interesting, uh, again, that he closes there on verse 6. Of, of this, These are things that we ought to put before the brothers and the sisters. These are things mm-hmm. that we ought to put in front of, in front of the body of Christ. Um, and, you know, so uh, this is, it's important, apparently, that in the cause of godliness, uh, we emphasize this is not a drudgery. Mm. It is a delight to be godly. Part of godliness is enjoying the things that God has given us to enjoy Mm. in submission to the glory of Christ, what glorifies him and what's to the edification of the church. Yeah. Yeah. I think he also, I mean, we'll probably get into this then the next time we, we cover first Timothy, but I mean, as he goes even further, I think there's an element of just like, magic is probably too far but this kind of just mysticism or an idea of like it's not really I don't know it's just the 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 stories of God are not just the history 
but there's something behind them that we can kind of appropriate for ourselves quite apart from Christ's own gospel. Um, And so I think that that's going to be an important part of that as we continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stay rooted in Christ, his word, Mm -hmm. prayer, his people, and the inclinations of the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve him. Certainly don't quench him. Mm. And uh, we'll we'll work together in in being godly to the glory of Jesus. Excellent. All right. Thanks, brother. Thanks, brother. Mm -hmm.